Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic today, Tim. I hope everyone out there who's listening, I hope they're doing just as fantastic, if not better. I love it when we make new friends. And a few weeks ago, we made a new friend, Jerry Kolber, who is one of three responsible for a great new podcast that's out there. But Tim, you're responsible right now for telling not only me, but everyone out there how you're doing today. Doing all right today. Thank you for uh, applying that pressure to uh, to my answer. It's probably not going to change ever in these intros, but no, I'm doing good. Yes, we spoke with Jerry a couple weeks ago, and now we spoke with Kim and Adam. So we've had all three of the hosts of Slaycation on our Crawlspace Airwaves, and really, we've had a lot of fun talking with them. We really have, and this is a true crime podcast with a comedy element to it, but Kim's background was centered in the area of domestic violence and working with shelters for domestic violence survivors, really making a change making a difference in those communities. So there's this level of real world application that goes into the stories that they tell. And Adam is there for those moments that need the comic relief. This is such a fun conversation and also a wonderful glimpse into the married life of two podcast hosts. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I was talking about you and me. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. And Adam texts Davis He actually wrote the movie with Ryan Reynolds called Just Friends, which was pretty cool. I know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, recall that movie fondly. Very funny movie. Very cool guests. And yeah, we hope you enjoy this conversation. And Slaycation covers a number of these stories. So be sure to check out their podcast wherever you get your podcast. But in this episode, we talk about the stories of Tina and Gabe Watson, Tony and Harold Henthorne, and Shanquella Robinson. So we cover three of the standout stories that they've talked about in episodes of Slaycation. All right, everyone, we're going to break quick for commercial here. Make sure to check out Crawlspace Premium. That's now on Apple Podcasts. You can get ad-free episodes, early releases, and our bonus show. So check that out. And if you're not an Apple user, go to crawlspace.supportingcast.fm for that same product. Okay, we're going to break quick for commercial, and we'll be right back with Kim and Adam. Do you want to know what it's like to hang out with MS-13 in El Salvador? How the Russian mafia fought battles all over Brooklyn in the 1990s? Or what about that time I got lost in the Burmese jungle hunting the world's biggest meth lab? Or why the Japanese Yakuza have all those crazy dragon tattoos? I'm Sean Williams. And I'm Danny Gold. And we're the host of the Underworld Podcast. We're journalists that have traveled all over, reporting on dangerous people and places. And every week, we'll be bringing you a new story about organized crime from all over the world. We know this stuff because we've been there. We've seen it. And we've got the near misses and embarrassing tales to go with it. We'll mix in reporting with our own experiences in the field, and we'll throw in some bad jokes while we're at it. The Underworld Podcast explores the criminal underworlds that affect all of our lives, whether we know it or not. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. Welcome to the podcast, Kim and Adam Davis. How's it going today? Hey, good. How's it going with you guys? We're doing great. We always love, and I say this every time we have an interview on Friday, we tend to schedule our Friday interviews to be a little less heavy than the ones that we do during the week where we cover a lot of true crime and serious topics. We'll get some serious topics here, don't get me wrong, but we were so excited to get the opportunity to speak with the two of you about your show and beyond. Because just in the email exchanges that we've had, 
we knew that this was going to be a delight. So just thank you so much for rounding out our week in a nice, positive way. Well, how dare you say slaycation is not a heavy, a heavy topic? <laughs> how dare you, sir? Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. And if you have anything bad to say about Jerry, you should get it off your chest now. It's just the four of us here. Well, that's what the podcast is for. <laughs> we get to unload on him there. Uh, you know, Jerry. Jerry's great. Uh, and I saw, I saw the interview you guys did with him. He set a high bar. <laughs> He's a lot of fun to speak with. Absolutely. Yeah, as you both know, because you host a, a podcast with him. Yeah, so we had Jerry on a few weeks ago speaking about this uh, great new podcast called Slaycation. But before we get into Slaycation, can we get a little background on you both and what made you guys uh, decide to do this podcast? He's far more interesting than I am in the respect of theater or film and even podcasting. A lot of my work is, in my past life, I was mostly in social work, social services. I worked in a crisis shelter for uh, victims of domestic violence, worked with women in particular that dealt with homelessness, addictions. I've done some acting. I've done, you know, stage managing. I've even worked in a terrarium studio. But the one constant with me is my obsession with true crime. That's the constant. Like I was into true crime before they even knew who the Green River Killer was. So <laughs> I'm a film guy. You know, Jerry and I, we met at film school back in like 89. He was doing more theater and then he got more into TV. I was doing more film. I was always doing comedy stuff. I wrote the movie Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds. But I always had this this cool obsession with serial killers and like dark stuff. In my spare time I also, you know, write horror movies and and you know, try to come up with horror concepts. You know, I met Kim and Kim was like the only person who had seen Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. And like, <laughs> you know, I, I make the joke when the first time I went to her house, like, you know, her bedroom, it looked like the crime section of the library with all these books on the shelves. And I was like, holy crap, I didn't even know they made Hunting Humans parts two and three. Like, this is amazing. You know, she had a very dark job and my job was to make her laugh and to find ways of being funny to get her to not, you know, just be crying all the time about all the, the <laughs> hell in the, at, the, at, the, at the domestic violence shelter. The hell and despair of our fellow humans, yes. You know, I'm always thinking about ideas for crime shows and stuff. And I, I saw a case where people went on vacation and one killed the other, tried to make it look like an accident. And I just said the word slaycation. And she perked up and she was like, does that exist? And I was like, uh, let's look. No, it does not. You know, Jerry, he's on the fence about true crime. He, you know, he's worked in it and he's done it. But at the same time, it's not his favorite because it's dark and it, you know, he's very, he gets very emotional. Uh, Kim and I have a strange way of detaching so that we don't feel the the heaviness too much. I mean, you probably learned that from social work. Well, sort of compartmentalizing in a healthy way. Yeah. Yes. We're like, let's do it, but let's make sure we have fun and be entertaining. But, you know, obviously you want to be respectful to the victims and stuff. I mean, these are real people. You know, the concept of like Jerry and Kim know the, the story and I don't. So they're telling it to me in real time so I can make comments, ask questions, make jokes that uh, some people like and some people don't like. Yeah, especially don't like. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you are the perspective of the audience, Adam, where you're learning about it and you're thinking, okay, the audience is probably thinking, what about this? So I'm going to ask this or you know, it might be a little bit of gallows humor, but you make a joke. Right. I feel like, Kim, your background with the crisis shelter and working with domestic violence survivors, I feel like that lends so much credibility to the show because you've been there. 
and you've seen this, there's no amount of gratitude and respect that Tim and I can give to you putting yourself in that position to help people. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, the thing too, it's not the kind of work that you do for the money because there is none. (laughs) It's tough. It's tough. And I think also the thing that makes it additionally harder is just realizing how awful we, we are to each other. And I think also just, you know, doing this, it gives you also an opportunity to sort of encourage everyone to be a little kinder, <laughs> even in a very small way. To Kim's uh, credit, like, I, you know, I was working, I think I was working in a car wash factory at the time, like a, a factory in Hackensack, New Jersey, that made car washes like all the machinery that's in a car wash. And I was writing on the side. And then I finally got my big break and sold a couple of scripts. And I said to Kim, I was like, hey, tell the the shelter you're done. You don't have to work there anymore. And she was like, what? No. And she stayed and she worked for several more years because she knew she was helping when the bureaucracy there got too out of control. There's always, always, always politics and bureaucracy. It follows you in all aspects. (laughs) They basically fired like two people and then said, well, we don't have to hire anyone. You can just cover it all, right, Kim? And then she was like, I think I'm done. Yeah. I mean, we hear those stories all of the time because we do have individuals on the show. A lot of that comes from a lot of that abuse, a lot of the result, someone going missing comes from domestic violence. And we do speak with people who work in shelters and work with domestic abuse survivors and... There's always that moment that they say, this is where the system failed us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's unfortunate because at the end of the day, it's a business and it will always take precedence, even over people. You know, a lot of my naivety, because I remember, you know, walking in there sort of like, okay, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. I'm here to change lives. And you soon realize like, yeah, it's not quite how that works. I mean, you can try to squeeze that in. It can be very emotional. I remember when they do these things where they evaluate your performance. I remember on my evaluation, it was, isn't supportive of tough administrative decisions. Because I would, you know, sort of advocating on the side of this is a human, this is that. It's hard. And there's a part of me that while I really cared about the work, I don't miss it. Sounds like you need a slaycation. Right. <laughs> exactly. Or just a vacation. Just a vacation, Lance. <laughs> Kim, where did this love of true crime come from in you? It's always been a curiosity of mine. I always tried to figure out or try to see if I could glean some clues or hints of what creates these people, what makes that serial killer, what makes that person that's like, I'm going to take my wife on vacation, or my spouse, and shove them off a cliff. While I have no answers, haven't found any answers, the quest continues. It's just always been something that's sort of driven me to try to find, and I guess in a way make sense of it. And still, I haven't been able to do that. (laughs) On the other hand, I can think of a long list of reasons to shove a wife off a cliff. (laughs) We'll let that awkward silence just hang. (laughs) You should see the way she loads the dishwasher. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm the dishwasher loader in our household as well. Right. There are certain things that don't go in certain spots. And it's obvious. Thank you. Well, he is free to do it if he wants. I do it. I do it twice. I do it when I do it, and I do it when she does it. (laughs) 
because I want the dishes to get clean. A pile is oh not. Oh my gosh. See, and we talk about like, you know, like our marriage and, and raising our kid on the show and stuff. So we try to bring some of that fun to it for people that would find that fun. I was a little nervous. <laughs> oh, no. I, believe me, that look, I've gotten that look every day for 25 years. So what kinds of stories are you telling on Slaycation? Okay. So I, 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 I say that the stories that we do come in three three buckets, basically. There's, you know, a, a, a vacation that is planned solely to commit a murder and to try to use the vacation like as a cover, like it's an accident and it's, it's like, you know, somebody murdering their spouse or somebody murdering a friend or something like that, where it's a premeditated vacation solely exists for the murder. Then there's the other bucket, which is you go on vacation and you get murdered, you know, just one person or, or both people or whatever, but they, they get murdered. And then there's like a non-premeditated murder that happens on vacation. Maybe it's the people that go on vacation, murder somebody, or maybe something else happens and then suddenly it leads to a murder. You also forgot, sometimes we oh. don't know what happens. Sometimes it's mysterious. Like, oh, right. Oh. Right. Mysterious death. He's Ooh. obsessed with the murder component. Maybe I should be a little... Give us a hand signal if... Uh... I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Load the d- dishwasher correctly if you're in trouble. That'll be the sign. Oh, um, <laughs> when in the process... Adam, did you identify that there were categories or was that sort of a known thing going into it? When we first were like figuring out the format of the show, we knew that we wanted to both be on it, you know, husband and wife. And then, of course, we wanted Jerry as well. And then it's like, you know, but if all three of us know the case, it's a little less fun. It's a little less interesting. It was like, okay, but we also wanted to make sure there were enough cases to do a show. So in the initial research, we started looking up murders that happen on vacation. And we realized, okay, there's a lot of ones where it's somebody killing their spouse, but there's also a lot of ones where someone's just getting killed or, or, you know, mysterious death. So, you know what, let's keep it open. You know, the twisty turny ones are are my favorite, if, if I had to say favorite, but the ones that keep you guessing. The third one we did was Gabe and Tina Watson, and it was a scuba diving one. And to this day, I still am not sure whether it was a murder or just hubris leading to an accident. Those are like the quintessential, I call those the quintessential slaycation. Yeah, that, some of them are just more straightforward. You know, uh, meeting their doom. And then what are the events that led up to that? And what is the aftermath? Did they catch the person or not? And in some cases, it blows the lid off of, of major corruption or major, you know, uh, wow, there's a whole culture of, of, of violence here that's being swept under the rug because they want the tourist industry to thrive. And if you are saying, oh, there's murders here all the time. Like, people don't go. So once we realized, okay, well, there's plenty of cases, then I removed myself from the case-finding process so that I could be the proxy for the uh, listener. You mentioned the uh, Gabe and Tina Watson case, and that, I think, was one that Tim and I both had on our list to talk about. Can you talk about that one in a little more detail without giving away too much? Because we do want to make sure that people listen to that episode, but it is a twisty-turny one. I mean, like, I, I remember, like, when I was telling, and when Jerry and I was sort of going through the events, you know, Adam was like, what, what? And essentially there was, there was many different things that sort of made this case. You know, one of the things was the fact that they were a couple, they were together, they were married and he was a big, big into scuba diving and was very interested in having her scuba dive. And she was not as interested 
I'm a knitter, right? It's as if I'm like, Adam, you need to learn to knit. This is how much of a knitter she is. She's literally knitting <laughs> during this interview. You're knitting right now. Yeah, she's knitting right now. There's, there's a, what are you knitting? There's a scarf being made. It's wow. lovely. That's amazing. I, I feel like I'm fiddling with my pens all the time. I should be knitting instead. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's a great way to channel that ADHD or OCD, whatever. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that Gabe was very interested in having Tina. And because she loved him, you know, she went, she took some scuba lessons. It was clear just from the reports and everything that I read is she had great anxiety about scuba diving it was it really just wasn't something that she was into right but he planned you know he planned their honeymoon to go to the great barrier reef in australia to do a fairly advanced dive exactly she had no business doing yeah and in fact it was so advanced and she was so novice and inexperienced that he lied to the scuba masters you know they're supposed to interview people separately couples separately he made them interview together so he could do all the answering and basically forced it so that she would do this dive and said don't worry i'm a master diver i can take care of her so that's where like the hubris comes in. and who knows was it because he was really you know methodically planning to do away with his wife or was he just this arrogant jerk off that just was like i've got it all under control so without giving anything else away, let's just say two people go diving, <laughs> one comes back, and a series of like a witness thinks they see something that could have indicated something. There was also a problem with the equipment that they thought he had tampered with, but then it turns out he maybe didn't. And also like people's behavior, you know, plays a huge factor. Like, you know, he went back to the surface, didn't And see- left her down there. Yeah. And yet he's saying he's a master diver. You trying to translate and understand, like, what does it all mean? And that's the thing, too, because there's sort of this notion that you behave in a certain way. This is what you're supposed to do. But when you deviate from that, it gives a different impression. Again, people are left with all these different impressions of him. It literally had me go back and forth. Oh, it's a murder. Oh, it's an accident. Oh, it's a murder. Doesn't it ultimately come down to if the person took out a life insurance policy before the trip? Almost always? You'd think. Not this case. Nope. (laughs) Okay. Wow. The life insurance was like minimal and and she had a ton of debt that he had taken on. That was the other thing. Yeah. There was like, it didn't fit. Like there have been cases and, you know, we, we jokingly say like, how long after you take out the life insurance policy can you kill someone without it looking suspicious? How long do you need to wait? What is that non-suspicious time? Four months. What, what is it? <laughs> Four months. Four months? Okay. Okay. Uh, feels a little soon. Feels a little soon. I, well, I took out the life insurance policy on Tim in uh, October. So. What? Okay. No, you didn't. Oh, I thought I was muted. <laughs> You're going to say that on mute? Jerry and I have life insurance on each other. <laughs> so we always say, like, make sure that the company is doing better than the insurance or else <laughs> mutual destruction. That does seem to be kind of a common occurrence in some of these cases, though. Have you found that? Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, our first case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely our, our in our first case, the Horthones, I mean, he had quite an extensive number of policies out on his wife. It really definitely made him look very suspicious because of that. But Gabe and Tina, that that was a missing component, no insurance. There was nothing certainly for him to gain financially from killing his wife. 
Yeah, they were just married for like 10 days or something, 11 days, right? Yeah. And then he took on her debt after she died. Yeah. Which is the exact opposite of what mostly right. you hear with these types of murders. It is a head scratcher. I mean, in your gut, what do you think, though? I don't know if he did it, but I guess what I would say is if I was sitting on a jury, I don't know that I would be able to say he's guilty of murder beyond a reasonable doubt. In other words, I don't know whether or not he did it, but I don't know that the evidence proves that he definitely did it. But my gut says, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I go back and <laughs> forth. I go back and forth. I guess the best answer I can give is if I was on a jury, I would have to say the evidence is not there. He's not guilty. Okay. It's definitely the longest answer you could give. Yeah. Well, that's what, I'm good for that. It's too bad. I just looked this up to confirm it. She was 26 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, they were college sweethearts. Yeah. Was there any indication of abuse prior? The only thing that sort of stood out for me was her parents hated him. They did not like him. I couldn't really understand why they didn't like him. It just felt like they didn't think he was good enough for her. And that's a whole other issue. I don't know that I found that anything that went on between them was unusual or raised any red flags. How long were they together before they got married? Do you remember? I think they were together a couple of years. So was it like one? Because we have cases where people get married after like three days or a week. And it's like, hmm, okay. And it turns out they had a huge policy on them. You know? Yeah. This one was a real head scratcher, as Kim said. I know a lot of guys who are the people that, no, 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 I got this. I got this. Don't worry about it. And then when shit goes bad, they freak out and they can't handle it. And What do you think? Do you think? (laughs) What? Do you think he's guilty? What does your gut say? No. No. All right. Yeah. He went back to Australia. Like they, you know, he was here in the States. He'd gotten out. There's no extradition to bring him back, but he went back on his own. That doesn't feel like what a guilty person does. Well, to be fair, there was murmurings that uh, he had made a deal with them prior to that return. He had made a deal with the uh, authorities that like, okay, you're going to serve this time and we'll, you know, drop it down to this. But still, a guilty person might not even make a deal. They're just going to... That's true. Now, right? It depends. See, we don't know. We don't know. We could go back and forth with this all day long. It was weird that he was sitting on a boat and his wife was either dying or dead and he's not like overly concerned about her well-being. But then maybe he's just trying to disconnect and not freak out because how is that going to be helpful? We may or may not have given away too much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that that one seems to definitely sounds like one that it would be hard to convict him in a court of law. Opinion-wise, I don't know. It's a little bit of a different story. It is interesting how, you know, the way people act during, after, police interview, 911 call, like all those things really just play into how the public is going to perceive you. And if you do the wrong thing, you know, in the eyes of the public, you will be seen as guilty. We just watched that, you know, American Nightmare on Netflix. And it's like more of the same, like they didn't behave the right way. So Ah, hold on. Haven't seen it. Watching it this weekend. Oh, Oh, yes. Let's not ruin anything. I am so sorry. No, 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 no. The uh, the endorsement <laughs> is making me more eager to check it out, so I appreciate it. We Good, just, yes. We were just bummed that it didn't happen on a vacation. <laughs> we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. 
And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. Tell us a little bit about uh, this Harold and Tony Henthorn case. I know we, we've kind of talked about it a little bit. This guy pushed his wife off of a cliff at Rocky Mountain National Park. And then you guys play the 911 call. Yes. Did you hear that? That's crazy. That was the craziest rambling. That sounds like me on any given day. That's crazy. Or now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's going through the weather and the wind and things like that. I mean, oftentimes I feel like they're very weird when they're played in a true crime podcast. This one was very suspicious. I mean, usually it's like, stop asking me questions, get over here. And he's doing the opposite. So they met through a Christian dating site. Second marriage for the both of them. I think she in particular was very vested in this working out. And I think she was very interested in starting a family and just really settling in. That's what they did. In this case, there were a number of red flags. One red flag was she was the one that generated the income, but he managed to take over and sort of unilaterally manage their finances. The second thing was, was that he began to start isolating her from her family. At one point, they moved from their home down south and moved to Colorado. So that was another thing. He had it arranged so that like, if she gets a call on her cell phone, he also gets the call. Weird. So he can listen in and surveil. You know, some might say that's a red flag. Yes, yes. Yes. Some might also say, like, the last thing I would want is to have to listen to her calls. Um, there is no way. There is no world. Where anyway, sorry. Tim and I have the same program on our cell phones, but it's just strictly business. <laughs> right, 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 right. But that's, you know, that's the thing, though. And it, of course, he was, it was really just to keep her under his thumb. And to monitor even so what she could share about what was really going on right. in, in their household. So then he plans a, an anniversary getaway. Exactly. It's 12 years of togetherness. He reaches out to the office manager of her office and sets up a time when he's basically going to walk in and whisk her away to their sweet honeymoon gala. But of course, he comes... He's already packed her things. There is no world where he would show up and say, we're going away. And I'd go, okay, great, but we need to stop at the house first. And him go, but I have everything that you'll need. That's great, but we need this. But that's not what happened here. Right. So that's another red flag. Yeah, he packed her things, picked her up, and they went straight to the Stanley Hotel, which is the, the, hotel, Shining. From the hotel from The Shining. This is clearly going to end badly. <laughs> exactly. Then he takes her to, like on a picnic or whatever, a romantic picnic, to like the most remote cliff that nobody goes to. Yeah, even the rangers that were, you know, part of the investigation was like, this is really remote. Nobody really comes to these parts. Except for him. Except for him. And uh, it didn't help his case either that uh, they found a map in his car with an X marking the spot on that weird remote cliff area where she wound up being found. The point is, uh, yeah, so then, yeah, she quote unquote fell and then he made the 911 call. And rambled um, on. Rambled on. And then 
it was like, okay, well, they couldn't, there was nobody there, no witnesses. But then they started finding things. And then also his past was just, it was devastating. Red, red flags. Just re- This was a case of red flags all around. Like it's- Not even flags, just red everything. <laughs> just <laughs> red, red rum, red everything. Yeah, everything. So They had a child together, correct? They did, yes. A little girl. From what I understand, she ended up being raised by her maternal uncle and his wife, her aunt, and wants, you know, which I don't disagree, wants, has cut off ties with her father. It's a shit show. It's a total shit show. Yeah. I mean, this guy is probably, again, what you would think of when you would think of as a sociopath. The quest is what makes those people, what is in the DNA. I can't relate to that. I don't understand it. I mean, it does take like a certain type of mentality when you're with somebody over the course of a few years and you've developed a relationship and then you have a child. If you don't want to be in that marriage any longer, there's a number of alternatives. A number. Before you get to murder. And then the murder on vacation is like, you're setting this person up to enjoy themselves. It's doubly diabolical to do that to somebody. Once you figure that out, or if we figure it out, like the why behind all that, then we'll be right there accepting our Nobel Prizes. Exactly. I will say the vacation aspect does lend itself, though, more to potentially getting away with it. Right. When you're thinking about the perfect crime, that's not shooting somebody. That's not strangling them in your house. It's, oh my God, they fell off a cliff. They fell off a boat. We were scuba diving and their equipment malfunctioned. The joke, I mean, it's like, it seems refreshingly doable. In a day when it's really hard to get away with murder, the slaycation seems almost doable. But then it's crazy how these evil geniuses also get tripped up by things like leaving a map in their car. With an X. With an X. It must be ego that gets in the way, I guess, at some point. You think you're smarter than whoever's investigating. But I think you're right in that pushing your wife off of a cliff in a remote area that no one else is there, like he very easily could have gotten away with that. Exactly. And the crazy thing is, is that that's not the only case. I mean, I can think of two right off the top of my head where a young kid, you know, early 20s, late teens, you know, was in love with this girl and they had broken up, but, you know, was like, hey, let's just get together and hang. And what does he do? He pushes her off a cliff. Wait, did we do this case yet? No. What the, what are you talking about? Because it wasn't a slaycation. It wasn't a vacation. It was just like, I'm going to pick you up and we go for a ride. You know, I guess that could be, but if, you know, they weren't going away together. They were just hanging out. It really is screws up with our, our home life because she wants to talk about the cases <laughs> with do, me I and do. she can't. I can't. She's calling Jerry at like one in the morning to talk about murder. Yeah, that's what it's become. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. Tell us about your most recent episode on Shanquella Robinson. Really tragic story. There's no better way to describe it, my friend, because yeah. Essentially, she had traveled with a group of, you know, I want to say the word you'd say is friends, but obviously, but people that she knew, acquaintances. I, and apparently one of the travelers was a really good friend of hers. And they had obviously all been acquainted with each other. And they traveled to Mexico and they had this beautiful villa. And then at some point, something went wrong. That's not clear even what happened. Nobody really knows what happened. But what we do know is that she is dead. And initially, those people on the trip with her 
were saying it was alcohol poisoning. The autopsy reports indicated, particularly the autopsy report in the United States, it indicated that it wasn't alcohol poisoning. It just led into all of these questions that can't really be answered. And then a video surfaced of her being essentially beaten up by another woman who was on that trip with her. We don't know why. We don't know what happened. We don't know what happened before, where that even came from. That's the thing. Nobody's talking. Right. So someone released this video purposefully, you would think. It's never been stated who that was on the trip, who released it, or why? Nope. We don't know who released the video. How weird. Yeah. The person in the video that's beating her down is somebody, of course, that she was there with. But even so, like, there are fights happen, so it doesn't necessarily have to be fatal. Right. But we don't, you know, and then, like, her friend, her good friend is there, like, you don't see him on the video, but you hear him. Right. You hear him in the, and he, he, and he's certainly not helping. No, no, no. In fact, I think he makes a comment like, you're not going to fight back. And then, yeah, then the initial autopsy done in Mexico was not very, right. It was very well done. It wasn't very clear. It didn't help with identifying any real answers for that family. She was beaten up and it was not in line with what her alleged friends had told authorities. What about her background? She was 25? I mean, she apparently was had a real entrepreneurial spirit. She would braid hair. She was known for that, particularly kids. She had a clothes line that she also was doing some designing. I mean, she was pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. I think that's what gets me every time with these stories is that you just see somebody who's 25 years old with all of this potential. And then there's one incident that happens that no one has answers to. But now that person is not around and whatever they were going to offer the world is not going to be a thing. Right, right. I know, obviously, you both combat this with a sense of humor. Is that like your main go to when you start really digging into these people's stories and start feeling like, wow, I'm getting a little a little down because it was really shown sort of the dark side of humanity. Is the sense of humor the first thing that you go to? What's interesting is like we almost always start, and whether it's like happens before we start rolling or not, but like Jerry and Kim will look at each other and like sigh and be like, <laughs> oh boy, this one, <sighs> what a mess. Yeah. And they, you know, so they know, and I'm just like, okay, what's coming? And then, you know, they start telling the story and in, in the part before the, you know, leading up to the bad stuff, I can make jokes and try to be funny and whatever. And then they get into the shit and it's just like, oh my God. And I'm just hearing the most horrible, depraved, awful things that people do to each other. You know, sometimes I blurt out something. Highly inappropriate. Uh, well, maybe highly inappropriate or just like, you know, I blurt out something awful, but nowhere near as awful as the thing we just heard. That is correct. And, and so in a way, it's real time reaction. It's like, you know, it's like you hear something awful. And you're just like, oh, fuck me. What yeah. the hell, man? Holy shit. What the fuck is he think? You know, and, and yeah. And then like you start cursing and you start getting angry. And then to combat that, you don't want to just have a show of people being angry. So you try to find a way to cut through that with a little joke here or there. And a lot of it is timing too. I told Kim, cause you know, she'll tell the story and I have to like interrupt her with 
a joke or, you know, a comment. And I'm like, unfortunately, the timing is everything. And that joke isn't going to tell itself. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I, you know, I'll make the joke, but I have to like weigh like, is the joke worth it or not or whatever. So anyway, the point is, uh, yes, I I definitely combat it with humor or else I'm just going to be angry you know, we're humans too. We have a kid. We, you know, it's like we go on vacation, you know, it's like, you know, it's like shit that happens and, and really dark, awful shit. So yeah, I, I try to, you know, add some humor to it. And for me, a lot of it is, you know, in just this quest of understanding, there's also this quest of what can we, and we talk about this, what can be the takeaway? What can we learn? What, how can we, protect ourselves? How can we be more aware of, of our surroundings? And particularly in this case, the thing that was so upsetting about it was that there was every reason for, I mean, I would be, if I was traveling with a, you know, a group of people that I like, and one of my closest, very best friends were there, there would be no reason for her to have felt like she was in any jeopardy. I mean, her best friend was there. It was a person that she had vacationed with, not only just her and him, but her whole family knew this person. So you're not thinking, but it almost makes you realize that you can never truly let your guard down. And I think like, that's again, what I go to, like, what do we learn? What can we do so that these people that have gone, what would they say to us if they were advising us? Well, this is what we should have done, we didn't. So that's how I try to come at it when I'm taking in and consuming all this craziness. At the same time, you don't want to blame the victim. You know, you don't want to say that they did something to bring it on. So Right. But the thing is, is that it's not blaming the victim. They did nothing wrong but live their lives. It makes you realize that you have to look out for the predators, sort of understand that you almost have to look at people as predators until they prove that they're not (laughs) instead of the other way around. That's when you strike. (laughs) Yeah. You have to be aware of those red flags and take them seriously when they present themselves. But yeah, in Shanquella's case, it doesn't seem like. Yeah. That's the thing that's so frustrating about her. Yeah. Again, there was a couple of birthdays in that group. They were going to a fancy villa and it was just supposed to be hanging out, having fun, getting their drink on and just you know, living their best uh, 20-something lives. It is a mystery, really, like what set all of this off. And the reality is, is that no matter what it was, there was no excuse for what was done to her. Yeah, it doesn't seem premeditated, but it seems like the international jurisdictions might have prevented the case from being solved. Do you guys feel that way? I feel that they dropped the ball. You know, the second that she was pronounced deceased, they should have all been questioned and that did not happen. And in fact, what they did was just say, we're going to just head out, get a bite to eat. And they got on a plane and went back to the US. Like that should not have been allowed to happen. And then once you're now dealing with, you know, jurisdictions, you know, between nations, it becomes more complicated. Yeah. You know what? In a way, this is different than a lot of our locations where the person takes someone on a vacation and then isolates them from everybody else and then potentially does it or doesn't do it. In this case, you had a whole bunch of people that were around when potentially the violence happened. And yeah, they were allowed to leave. Right. Nobody was questioned. 
this one gets like more depressing when you think about how you, you just said like this was not an isolated incident this wasn't done in a area where it was rare to see people like this poor human beings getting beaten yeah. severely and no one steps in nobody right. it's so depressing Your friend who's there is not jumping in or saying whoa 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 what what do you what is going on here no it's not even clear if that fight is the cause of death you know one of the autopsy reports they couldn't conclusively say that her cause of death was from the beating she could have aspirated but what it sounded like was that it was the perfect storm of everything that created that outcome. I'm thinking that had she not been beaten like that, she probably would still be alive. Yeah. Regardless of what the actual cause exactly. of death was. Yeah, you're right. It's, it was a perfect storm. Yeah, that's a very depressing and very difficult case. Like you, you go off, you board a plane, you're just going to party with some friends. That video release is still like the strangest thing about it because it's just like, why is that released? And who released it? Yeah, and it obviously it was someone there. Well, what else is coming up on Slaycation? Can you give us a tease for any uh, upcoming episodes? I'm going to let you do that. <laughs> well, uh, we definitely have a case that takes place on Murder Island in Thailand, Katao, which is dubbed Murder Island. I mean, you know, they're, they all they all suck. They're they all grizzly, crazy, whatever. But um, in this case, it kind of blows the lid off of a culture of violence and mob-like, and by mob, I mean like mafia-like rulers of this island and, and cover-ups and stuff like that. So that's a really interesting one. We've got a couple of two-parters where it's like, there's so much fucked up that we couldn't even cover it in one episode. <laughs> right. So uh, we have like two episodes like that. Yeah, it involves just a couple of college kids just saying, hey, we're done with school. Let's take the trip of a lifetime before we get serious and have to do real jobs and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And that one, the more you dig, the more you find and you're like, oh, my God. Oh and my God. the more confused you are. Yeah, that's true. Then we got this other one. Uh, these women escape abuse and then meet somebody even worse than the abuser. That's another that's two parter. Grisly, so, yeah. Yeah. We got. Uh, there's plenty. There's plenty. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, unfortunately, there's plenty. So should I be worried that Tim just sent me uh, tickets to Murder Island for a little getaway? He was like, <laughs> he was like, we we need some R and R. Right. I would be worried. I would be worried. I would be worried. Uh, as would I. I guess we're taking scuba lessons while we're there. <laughs> right. Why are we buying all these maps? <laughs> what does X mean? <laughs> It's just the spot where you, it's a beautiful waterfall. That's all. It's just a beautiful view. So see how we got into like making jokes though? Like that's the thing. It's like we hear all this awful, we're like in this place, we have to lift ourselves back up. And that's yeah. that's kind of what we do. It's like you have to build back up or else you just let it crush you. I feel like the power of humor and laughter is often looked upon with an unfavorable light unfairly. But, you know, you have to laugh at it so that you can keep going and telling the stories so that those stories don't die because the people don't exist anymore, but some injustice happened. So if that's what keeps you going, it's not disrespectful. It's therapeutic. Well put, my friend. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Well, this has thank been, you for uh, having us. Oh, thank, yeah, thank you for having us. I'm upset it's over. I was looking down. Yeah. And I was like, we were at 50 <laughs> minutes and I was thinking, oh my goodness, that just flew by. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Right. Do you two have any plans for a vacation? 
coming up soon? No way. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> the two of us, yeah, we're going to get separate rooms. We're going to have uh, <laughs> bodyguards. Uh, I mean, it is funny because there, there's so many things like, oh, you know, uh, you know, Gabe got uh, his novice uh, scuba diver. She took like three lessons in a pool. And now, well, we're going to go down to the shipwreck that's like way down there. And I'm like, I can't even get Kim to come see me play hockey. Like, I can't, uh, you know, she's not doing that. She's not, uh, you know, and that's part of the takeaway, I guess. Don't do not do things that you're, you know, that make you really uncomfortable. Uh, as far as uh, us going on vacation, I mean, we're, we're pretty on guard as it is. So, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, we 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 are. I'm fully expecting Kim to hold up like the four sweaters that she just knitted during this conversation. She's a red flag. <laughs> she literally knitted a red flag. This is a sign. Exactly. <laughs> Look out for the red flags. And they're Amazing. On, and they're on sale. On my Etsy store. <laughs> well, Kim and Adam, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. This thank has been you, a guys. Lot of fun. It, yeah, you guys it's great. been fun. Yeah. Thank you. And stay safe out there. Thank you.